You're about to join Jerry Parker, Maritz Siebert, and Niels Kostrup-Larsen on their raw and honest journey into the world of systematic investing and learn about the most dependable and consistent yet often overlooked investment strategy. Welcome to the Systematic Investor Podcast Series. Jerry Parker, Mort Siebert, and I, Niels Kasper-Larsen, are delighted to be back with this week's edition of the Systematic Investor Series. And as usual, we're going to discuss uh, last week's events in the world of rule-based investing and take some of your questions. Good morning, Jerry, and good afternoon to you, Moritz. How are you? Great. Hi, Niels. Great. Um, end of another week, first week of December. Uh, doesn't disappoint. Uh, lots of volatility in many, many markets, um, it would seem. Uh, news flows um, also uh, pouring in, even though it should be dying down a little bit as we enter the holiday season, but it certainly hasn't uh, done so. So why don't we just jump right into it and talk about some of the things that happened uh, in uh, in our portfolios uh, and to see how we reacted to uh, all of these uh, all of this volatility. Um, so can I, as usual, um, start with you, uh, Moritz, and just see how things were happening in uh, in your world of trend following? Sure you can. I'm happy to give you some summary there. Actually, a positive week for me between one5 and 2% up. Great. Uh, most of that coming from uh, long bond positions uh, in Germany and Japan. Lost some money on US bonds. But nevertheless, it's been a, a volatile week because, uh, you know, Monday came in strong as far as the equities are concerned on the back of the <laughs> alleged <laughs> agreement between uh, the US and China on, on trade which then wasn't really that clear. So, you know, markets fell again on on the Tuesday. Um, so, yeah, I mean, currencies were mixed, um, losing on the Monday and then gaining for the rest of the week, I think. Um, commodities, energies, lost a bit of money. So I have to say, really, the, the P&L was driven by, by the bond markets this week. Yeah, no, absolutely. I would say the same on our side, but unfortunately not quite as successful as you, Moritz, this week. Um, strong gains in uh, short equity positions, uh, unfortunately um, offset by uh, short positions in U.S. fixed income, which were bigger than than long positions in European fixed income. So, um, so that outweighed uh, to some extent um, the, uh, or at least neutralized the gains in in short equity positions and then uh, a bit of losses in currencies and in some of the commodities. Uh, so, uh, so a slight negative start to the month of December, which uh, of course, you know, seems to be wrapping up um, as one of the more difficult years we've had as an industry for a while, but maybe we'll come to that uh, shortly. Um Jerry, what uh, what was your week like uh, in from what you're seeing? Probably uh, in third place. It sounds like of in performance <laughs> this week. Um, okay. Not a lot happening as uh, currencies were <clears throat> pretty good, I guess, towards the end, and then rallies in a lot of the short positions and commodities. Not crazy yeah. rallies, but still long a few uh, U.S. equities and um, <clears throat> amazed by the relentless selling whenever there's a rally. So the price action is telling us to beware. I don't know if the shorts will be good. I uh, don't know how much the sh 
<clears throat> how much of a downtrend we'll see in any of the stocks, but uh, pretty confident that the long positions for a lot of star- stocks look very shaky. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned something about the selling into these uh, rallies in equities. And I think the three of us touched base during the week. And uh, I, I uh, one of us had come across an article um, about this quote unquote expert at one of the big investment banks who were trying to follow the signals of people like ourselves and then kind of try and trade against that, uh, or at least publicly saying, oh, but this sell-off is due to the CTAs and trend followers and they're the ones to blame. But as you talk about things being sold into a rally, that we can say categorically would never be a CTA. I mean, we don't sell into rallies. That That's just not what we do. Um, so I think his um, comments uh, were, you know, obviously creating good headlines, um, but I'm not so sure it's 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 accurate uh, in in that sense. Um, did you pick up anything on on those topics during the week? Well, a lot of CTAs will sell the rally to uh, if the portfolio volatility requires it. Yes, which for, is uh, somewhat yeah. of a uh, welcoming, I guess. They buy the breaks as well, and so that is better of fall targeting than uh, going with the trend, I think. But uh, I think it's it's a very good uh, example of um, our brains wanting to discount the price action. Well, you can ignore this price action because it's just the CTAs. I do it. Everyone does it. Uh, it doesn't manifest itself in my trades, but I definitely think about it. Is this a legitimate rally? I was questioning the sell-off in crude a couple of weeks ago or a month ago, and then maybe it's just a fake rally. It's a lot of... Uh, extreme selling and now no. And so I don't think that's ever, ever healthy to sort of say we can ignore this particular price movement because I can blame it on uh, a source that may not, uh, may not truly be reflective of the fundamentals. So we don't ever want to get in that situation. And, but it's also, I think some of these headlines, it's, it's, it's about, you know, blaming others than maybe some of their own uh, you know, all of these investment banks—they have their own quantitative, you know, approaches, and they have their own flows and their own views. And you know, does it mean that if they come out with a recommendation and things, uh, you know, and people buy or sell based on that recommendation, that there's anything wrong with that? And of course, we would say there's there's not. But every time there's something that seems to happen that, um, you know, especially on the downside, uh, rarely do we get praise as an industry for markets moving higher. But um, every time there's this sort of um, volatility increase and, and and pressure on equities, despite the fact they've gone up for I don't know three hundred percent in ten years, as soon as they lose two or three percent in a in a in a in a kind of hectic day, you you need to find a scapegoat, and and I I think it's just a crazy thing happening. But anyways, what else happened in sort of? Uh, in in uh, in your anything interesting in your portfolios? We certainly continue to see reduction in short fixed income positions based on this rally and and you know turning around uh, uh, on you know in that sector during the week. Stable portfolio uh, on my end, so no changes there. Okay, cool. Anything happen by the way? Um, single stocks? Anything exciting happening in the single stocks world that you notice, Jerry? Not a lot. Uh- some days the McDonald's, Walmart's, Coke, Pepsi rally, and then some days they just go down like the whole market. So I think my portfolio is 
very diverse. I have longs and shorts and flat positions. Um, when tech goes down, I may be buying Coke and Pepsi. So that's good to see. But on some of those uh, Friday, I think every stock is down. So right. that's not getting much diversification on those days. No, no, no. Well, let's see what happened in uh, social media land um, during the week um, and see what people liked and uh, and maybe didn't like so much in terms of uh, the top tweets. Um, how how did that look? What did you, where did you get some good reactions? Uh, quiet week um, on the Twitter front. Unfortunately, the most popular tweet was uh, one that uh, quoted the on uh, an article about the SockGen trend index um, saying that the 10 largest trend followers are down almost 10% for the year, which would be the worst performance on record since 2011 when the SockGen trend index lost uh, 8%. Um, one of the CTAs quoted in the article, I guess is a little, little <clears throat> you know, had it for with 2018, ready to move on to 19 and they're, response was the outlook is bewilderingly complex and hostile. So I just thought that was maybe, you know, a reflection of our emotions and we get going and we certainly can feel like that the market's out to get me. Things are very hostile around me because I keep losing money. I know I, I keep feeling that way and it's probably best just to stick to our systems. And um, I get around complexity and being bewildered by following prices and following my system. So uh, trend following offers that opportunity to ignore how com- complex and hostile things might be. Uh, I went and looked at some long-term trends over the uh, earlier this morning to see um, what the trends look like over the past 10 years and looked at almost every market in a 10-year chart. And um, one of the things that stood out was some very poor periods of trend and lack of trends and that um, pretty much just set up set up other periods where we had really nice moves. So um, it's never um, never right to get too pessimistic or optimistic. No, I mean, I think the headlines, uh, and I know I've mentioned this before in, uh, in our conversations, I mean, I think the headlines and the type of performance we're experiencing at the moment really reminds me about sort of 2013, right before a great 2014, and also 2007, the summer of 07 was pretty tough, uh, right before things really got going again. And it's, you know, it is so hard because we, you know, we can't help looking at our positions and thinking, okay, so how is this actually going to play out and suddenly turn into, you know, a great period of time for trend followers? And and you try and put in your own thoughts about, well, what if they do this with interest rates and so on and so forth, and that's not going to help or so and so. But and but it's so in, that that is the challenge. The challenge is not to to do all of that and then just you know trust the process as it has worked for for decades uh, and not uh, and not try to predict uh, anything uh, as such. Um, but I'm sure the headlines would have been pretty much the same back then um, prior to these uh, great periods. Um, and I still think, um, I know we've quoted a little bit maybe from it 
but Longboard, uh, one of our peers in the trend following space, they put out a great piece, um, you know, Cole Wilcox uh, put out a great piece about his thoughts on managed futures and, uh, and there's some pretty interesting charts, um, that, um, makes you, makes you think that this is, this is not as bad as, as, uh, as, as, as it may seem. And, uh, and there's going to be, you know, lots of opportunity going forward for, for this um, industry to have a roaring comeback. That's right. I mean, prior to 2008, I mean, who was standing up and saying, you know, it's very risky to be to have a portfolio that's dominated by long equities. No yeah. one, you know. Um, so, in good times, we need to remember good times for equities or a certain strategy we may not agree with. We need to remember that. We do have a, a much safer strategy with longs and shorts and systematic approach and taking small losses. And it, the value that we see in it is different than the value that others see because if the recent performance has not been great. Uh, but uh, we need to get ready for a, a different environment and we'll show we have a lot to offer. Yeah. Absolutely. Are you coming across this issue, Moritz, on your side? Um, sure, I think everyone does. But um, look, I think the markets, they're tricking us. So we're, we're ourselves are tricking us a bit here. Um, the It's only really the, the last two months and February this year that, that have been on our radar screens. And we remember them because we live in the right here now. And we, you know, every day we see those markets. But when, when I step back, looking at my portfolio, I've certainly been in much more worse situations. And and so, you know, I go, okay, well, that's one of those episodes. It may even get a lot worse from here for me. But at the end of the day, let's wait for that smoke to clear. There will be there will be better times coming up. So um, that is that is what I do. I, I, I try not get, you know, try not to get too, uh, too involved or downbeat by it. I know it's very difficult. But um, I kind of like force myself to be that way. Um, this has just been, you know, one of those weeks, one of those months, maybe a quarter. That's down. Okay, fine. But you know, doing this for years, um, always come back up on top at some point. Absolutely. The power of following a system and doing every trade that you're supposed to do. Yeah. That's what's going to get you out of all the situations, and um, we're in a situation of lack of performance that has nothing to do with uh, not following the system. So it is, uh, that's what we're required to do. And it doesn't matter how we feel. And in looking at those 10 years worth of charts and all the different markets, uh, if I looked at 2013 and saw some sketchy performance and some lack of trends and someone said, well, how did you feel in 13? I said, I have no idea how I felt. 14 was so awesome that I got out of my, I didn't remember any of 13 once 14 got going and that's how we'll feel pretty soon. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, speaking about that, I mean, obviously we launched this podcast series at a very interesting time just before we've really got tough, uh, again this year. And so, uh, it will be interesting for us to, uh, revisit these conversations um hopefully in in the not too distant future after we've had a, an amazing run and we're all 
we'll, you know, we'll see if if the listeners feel that our, our mood is a little bit different when when we've had a couple of months of very strong performance after you know instead of this uh, period. But anyways, I hope um, people listening to us uh, will take some comfort away that uh, that this is uh, this is not the first time we've seen it, and it won't be the last time either. So uh, so just stay the course uh, in in terms of that. Um, exactly. Yeah. What else happened in in the uh, tweet world, uh, Jerry? And also, Moritz, if you saw some other tweets that you or other posts that you think was interesting, let's let's bring it up. Well, like I said, it was very slow. I maybe I was traveling a lot, and I my creativity and my uh, ability to find interesting things was not at its peak this week. Um, sometimes I sit around late at night and. Um, Unfortunately, I'll have a glass of wine and I get very prolific. I think I am at the time anyways. <laughs> and so one of the ideas that I I just felt like tweeting was um, kind of um, a thing I've mentioned all the time and I'm, I can't get off of it, which is this idea that a trade doesn't need risk management beyond the stop loss. And uh, money management or portfolio trades kind of reduce the ro- robustness um, and really are the definition of not following the system. So that's my extreme point of view, and that's how I trade, and it's not uh, in the majority opinion. But I got a few people going, I guess. I think um, it's difficult to get that entire uh, concept across in, on Twitter, and uh, there are situations where risk management and uh, portfolio adjustment trades are definitely necessary. But I think by and large, if you have your leverage correct and your diversification correct and a pretty decent trend-following system in place, um, one has to look hard at uh, doing a kind of a, what I would consider to be sort of a non-system trade. Our our systems are sort of created and uh, have the strength based upon the sample size of and we're able to count these trades, the entry, exit, entry, exit, count them and get thousands of trades. And uh, altering that uh, somewhat is something I'm just dead set against. I'd rather like trade smaller if I have to frequently go in and alter my trades based upon the volatility in my portfolio because I can't sleep at night. Uh, personally, I would just trade smaller so I can not uh, be forced to do a lot of the portfolio adjustment trade, certainly not on a daily basis, but once in a while, yeah, it's probably definitely something I would consider. But I think it's interesting, right? Because um, in in a sense, uh, we know there are, as, as you say, I mean, there's no wrong or right. It's, it's a personal choice and it works for you and has worked for decades, right? Um, but I think the great thing is that other people may have different approaches to it and they can make it work for them. So what is the commonality between those things? What is it that really makes these things work? It's the discipline. It's the fact that we do have rules, the fact that we follow the rules, et cetera, et cetera. So whether the rules are a little bit different is not so much the point in my view, but it's the fact that you do have a set of rules that you have tested and you're comfortable with and that you decide to follow, um, you know, at all times. Well, by the mere fact that I kind of keep bringing it up and I can't really control myself, I do think that to me, I I don't agree with what you said. So obviously to me, I think it makes a difference. Um, But I have said uh, that I am always amazed at, uh, and this is not the only thing that I feel the need to stake out a somewhat contrary opinion on. 
And um, I'm always, you know, single stocks, you must trade single stocks. And so there's these different things that I really think are important. And I read about other managers and talk to other CTAs and they're like, no, I don't agree with that. And so it's kind of funny that it doesn't look like my performance is any better than anybody else's or, you know, consistently better. So I I do wonder like, okay, I have these opinions, but mm, I guess it doesn't matter a great deal. And I think that uh, the reason it doesn't is because these trends are so powerful. And even if I have it slightly wrong or someone else has it slightly wrong on these nuances, let's say, um, we're all diversified, we're taking longs and shorts, and we're going with the trend. And, um, you know, when you sit back and make a lot of money in a big trend and just the most important thing you can do is not do anything. Just let it follow your system, let it go, sit through some maybe uh, uncomfortable uh, movement against the trend only to see it uh, continue. And so that is what kind of takes over and overwhelms all of us uh, because we're not perfect. Our systems are not perfect that we just can ride these trends. And I think, thank, thankfully, I'm thankful for that. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, and you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, sticking up for whatever views we, we have. I mean, that's, that's, that's great. Uh, in my opinion, um, any other things from the tweet side, Jerry? Um, we don't have a lot of questions this week, but uh, so anything you've seen in the social media world would be interesting to um, to bring up, talk about. Or you, Moritz, of course. I was traveling for most of the week, so uh, okay. didn't follow it that closely. Sure. Last week, there was a tweet that, that we didn't talk about, and it was a quote from uh, Bogle from Vanguard, and he was expressing some uh, concern about indexing and the popularity of stock indexing. And maybe if it got too large, mm. it would not be a good thing. And I tweeted that, and it was just amazing how the uh, intensity got so high amongst some of the replies to that tweet. And obviously, they were arguing against their you know, the, the creator right. and saying, no, 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 he's wrong. And so I could see myself doing the same thing. If one of my mentors said, Oh, trend following is not, uh, what it, it's not good anymore. I would definitely <laughs> argue with that concept. So I kind of found that kind of interesting that, um, there's no tolerance uh, for getting away from the, the, lo- the company line of indexing is just wonderful and amazing. And this big shortcut to riches, um, but then this week, I also got another quote um, about from the Wall Street Journal about market cap-weighted index funds that they cause investors to accumulate in the largest, most momentum-driven names, doing nothing to diversify the concentration of related risk. In down markets, the potential damage from over-concentration can be extreme. And I think, yeah, that's one of the things we keep saying, uh, diversify into currencies, commodities, uh, bonds, and shorts. And, but uh, we don't even, I didn't even think about, you know, just from, if you if your options are only going to be stocks, then there's no really, not a lot of diversification in the S&P or the cap-weighted indexes. Uh, not like my portfolio of single stocks that I have some shorts and some longs and some flats and different 
uh, all the different industries and sub-industries are represented. So it is uh, even worse than I kind of think about um, <clears throat> being uh, just wanting to be in cap-weighted indexes. I mean, but, but 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 it's an interesting point, right? Because I think I saw this that that, that point you mentioned about um, you know the the index funds and and the. Uh, in the interview, I think he had uh, made with um, you know Wall Street Journal, where he's basically saying, I think it's something along the lines that with the with the growth of these index funds, the voting power uh, within companies within the biggest companies in the U.S. will it's already now a large percentage of the overall votes are sitting with these index funds, and in ten years' time or whatever the number was, it's going to be such a big number. That it's a problem in his opinion, um, which of course goes against to the industry that he created. Um, but it's almost like when so so I think a lot of the conversation in the news is about crowded trades being you know is there too much money in trend following, and I think that's going to be also related to a question from one of our listeners. Um, so we hear about that, but it's rare and and it's kind of funny that it's the inventor of the index funds uh, himself coming out with this point and saying, well, hang on, guys, is our industry getting too big or are there some unintended consequences from the popularity of uh, of, of people just buying the passive uh, funds? So I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was a good good discussion. I hope it gets a lot more attention because I do think it's a, I think it's a big problem um, for the real economy that you have so much of the voting rights sitting with financial investors, uh, uh, which at the end of the day will probably be only a handful of firms that will, you know, be able to have massive control on corporate America. Which I like to believe is a solvable problem, right? Because uh, why cannot, if you own, you know, a couple of shares of an ETF, why can you not get the associated voting rights uh, with with the stocks included there sure. and you vote through a proxy? Yeah. So, you know, there must be some, or at some point, maybe there's a technology or a software or something like that, that makes it possible for ETF holders to, uh, exercise to, uh, their to right. have a vote. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a good point. Anything else, uh, Jerry, you want to bring up from the Twitter world or? I don't think so. Okay. I think it's uh, about the extent of it. And by the way, I think since we're approaching the end of the year, which also means we're approaching the beginning of 2019, where where um, uh, a lot of the big conferences is you know are happening in in uh, in uh, Miami uh, in uh, early January, mid, mid to late January. So maybe maybe there should be like the systematic investor meetup. Maybe we should maybe we should encourage people to uh, to meet up at these events if they're listening to this. Uh, these podcasts and they uh, they want to hang out. Just an idea, throwing it out there. So, um, anyways, uh, one of the uh, listeners, uh, Vincent, Vincent wrote into us, um, and uh, there's a short version and a long version. I'm going to stick with the short version. And his question goes uh, a little bit related to what we talked about earlier. Do you really believe that the total amount of trend following money is enough to impact the trends themselves, given the difficulty? of enduring drawdowns. Is there an estimate of the total amount of money invested in trend following? Who wants to um, go into that one first? I'd love to know that myself. <laughs> <laughs> and um, as far as the estimate goes, I mean, we have the 
the AUM of the larger CTA industry that are reported. Sure. With Bridgewater, without Bridgewater. Yeah. But then, you know, those are the AUM. It doesn't include anything about, it doesn't, you know, there's no link to the notional exposure that we're trading as an industry. And it doesn't include people like yourself, actually, Moritz. And it doesn't include internalized traders and another trend follower. So extremely hard to even come up with a rough guesstimate on that. I kind of given up. Yeah. But is there too much money? Just to finalize, do you think there's too much? Whatever the number is, I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that okay. either. Um, and I don't want to judge just by looking at a couple of years of past performance and say that because those say you know past two three years haven't been that great compared to the historical averages, um, that must be because there's too much money chasing the same trends, right? Sure. I mean, if if everybody tried to get in and out exactly the same point in time, then that would have a negative consequence and, um, you know, kind of like those trends would be influenced. We'd be influencing ourselves. Um, maybe things become a bit more erratic, but then, you know, I, I don't think that everybody is necessarily going to trade at exactly the same point in time. We're using different systems. Yes. On, you know, in, over long periods, we kind of like do the same thing, but we're not exactly hitting the same price point and there's also you know certainly larger traders that you know trade throughout the day and they're not looking to um to uh, you know target and get done on the settlement they vvop or tvop or use algos trade throughout the day which is you know a point in time where certainly i'm not trading or normally i'm i'm not trading so um i really don't know no fair enough fair enough any thoughts on your side uh, jerry on this topic Mm, it's a complex subject. I'm sure uh, in some trades and some some points in time there, we get a, we walk all over ourselves and we hurt each other by everyone trying to get in or out at the same time. Um, hard to say the impact. I think it's, it would probably be easier to measure in a good period where we can all participate in a long-term trend and see how hard it was to get out of that nice profit and what happens at the very end. Uh, one of the reasons I want to be long-term, super long-term is to stay out of everyone's way and uh, acknowledge that there, since there are a lot of people looking at trends, trying to find um, the exit points of everyone, just to sort of stay out of that and make it very difficult to get knocked out of a long-term trend. Uh, but the concept of uh, more trend following is that going to hurt trend following i absolutely think that's true do we have too many too much now <clears throat> not sure no no i mean i think <clears throat> i think there's obviously a lot more money um that what the numbers show um from from the in, internalized uh, trend following methodologies that we see both in a, you know in insurance companies pension funds and other institutional investors i do think where there could be I mean, my main concern about this is not that there is too much money overall. I, 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 I think we all trade very liquid markets and I don't think that that's going to, you know, that it hurts us. But for those products who have been developed as very simple trend replicators sold for next to nothing, I do think that they um, use more similar techniques and different techniques to what the three of us use. And... Um, 
And I think in those kind of strategies where a lot of these uh, products have uh, collected a lot of money in the last few years, if they are similar in style, then of course also their entries and exits uh, will be similar. And in those situations, you could potentially um, see some more slippage uh, if you're trying to trade like like they do. Other than that, I don't think there's any real concern. And I don't think that performance this year uh, or, or uh, you know a single year or two years um you know of 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 below par uh, performance for from CTAs has anything to do whether there's too much money or not in 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 uh, in in the space i mean it has to do with whether or not there's enough trends around and we know from history that not always do we have enough trends to um, to have a good year and and that will continue to be that way in my opinion well, we think. Oh, well, actually, before I go with Vincent, uh, Vincent has one more question, um, and he just says, "What sources or methods um, to turn to in order to maintain conviction and discipline in the face of persistent drawdowns?" And of course, this is a topic we've discussed probably in every single episode we've done. I mean, how do you? How do you stay true to your strategy and your discipline um, during the difficult times? And certainly it seems to be a question that a lot of people um, find to be uh, important and difficult to deal with themselves. So just for the sake of maybe repeating some of the things we've we've said, um, if I could turn to you, uh, Jerry, first, just maybe some of the things that gives you the confidence uh, that you have uh, in in and 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 allows you not to get too emotionally attached to uh, to the performance numbers. Are there anything you can share with with Vincent on on that? Uh, well, just uh, without being able to prepare a great answer, I would what I thought of was two things. Um, I know what I want to accomplish and I build my system to try to accomplish uh, staying and participating in long-term trends and not getting bounced out too quickly and, but not giving too much profit back when the trend does eventually turn. And so I think that uh, my systems can accomplish that. They can't accomplish making money all the time or, or when I want to, or maybe even in 2018. But uh, knowing what I want to accomplish and having it's my system set up to do that and defining success or failure in those terms. But certainly the most important thing that I've realized over the years that in order for me to be successful and follow, which is going to mean following the systems, it really, a lot of it for me depends upon trading with moderate leverage and not getting myself into situations where uh, the losses and the drawdowns um, were too much, and it was mostly due to just trading too large, uh, trying to make too much money. And uh, so I think that's very important. Uh, Some of the issues that I have and I've experienced, when I looked into them very closely, it was just a function of too much leverage. Um, No amount of money management or no, no great no amount of improving my systems would help uh, when you trade too large. Yeah, I think those are great points. Um, anything you've found over the years, Moritz, that works particularly well for you? 
Yeah, just the experience, really. I mean, if if 2018 were my first year trading, I'd probably be an emotional wreck by now. Um, the, the reason I'm not is because uh, we've been through that. And like Jerry said, you have to have the right leverage to your portfolio. And also what I recommend people do is, I mean, this is the great advantage of, you know, that that only we have because we're systematic traders and we can backtest our strategies is to, to not just backtest the strategy and look at look at the historical um, P&L curve and the portfolio growth, but try to live that P&L curve. Go back to the beginning and, you know, kind of like zoom in on periods that have been volatile and that looked difficult because, you know, when you look at a 20, 30 year chart, um, those periods, you know, 10 years back, 15 years back, 20 years back, you know, you, you don't visually even see them anymore. I mean, they've become so small, they're so far away, maybe you don't even want to look at them anymore, because you think, well, that's 20 years ago, that's information that's not valuable today. I disagree with that. I'd say go back to those periods and find those pockets where you've had many losing days in a row, losing months in a row, losing weeks in a row. Zoom in on those and and try to relive those periods. Certainly, you know, maybe that's not helpful to everyone, but it it certainly was very helpful to me um, because it puts you into that into that state where you kind of like you you have to understand that there were periods, multi month periods where things were just extremely rocky, and you had to go through those. Um, and obviously, not changing your system because well, your back test at that point is fixed, right? Without changing your system, but you will come out at the end of the day on top of that. And that helps me to, uh, to be in the current period, you know, with that experience, knowing that, well, that's part of the game. That pain is part of the gain that I'm going to have in the future. So let's just uh, take a deep breath and uh, become relaxed about it. Of course, you know, you can only be relaxed to a certain point in time, to a certain extent, if, if, you know, that portfolio goes down by 80%, you know, take my word for it, I'm going to be everything but relaxed. Um, I don't think it's going to get there, I'm probably going to pull the plug before but um, as it as it stands right now, there's nothing really to freak out about uh, uh, too much. No, I, I mean, I think that those are, I mean, those are great points, right? Because uh, as as you mentioned, the the experience uh, it takes to go through these periods and then come out of them, you can't replicate that from you know doing a back test where you say, oh yeah, those five months were a bit tough, but you know so what? I mean, those five months would have been very long and would have felt exactly as tough as these. This period has been in two thousand eighteen, and so until you've tried it. Um, maybe not just once, but a few times uh, with real money and real clients at the end of the line and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, it's um, it will be somewhat of an it will have somewhat of an emotional impact. But as you as you work yourself through it, as you uh, think back, as you rightly say, more think back how it felt and then how it also felt coming out of it, which is why I'm sure we will refer back to these conversations. Uh, you know, at some point. And say, well, you know, that was a really tough period, and we we now have <laughs> documented how we uh, how we approached uh, and and dealt with this uh, this uh, these periods. So good, yeah. 
And and maybe another, like this is just a, a small trick or maybe not even a trick at all, but don't, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to look at dollar PL every day. Every once in a while, sure. I want to know how much money I've made or lost, right? In, in absolute dollar or euro terms. But to uh, disassociate the, you know, the process from the monetary outcome on a daily basis and rather look at percentage returns, that that helps me at least to stay calmer in uh, periods of drawdown. You know, it's like, lost a percent, lost a percent and a half, maybe we lost two, you're in a drawdown of eight. Although, you know, those are those are numbers that I think are emotionally much easier to take for your brain, for your psyche, uh, uh, rather than saying I'm, you know, down that many dollars. And because if you say that, you know, you're down that many dollars, you kind of like as a human being, you equate that to being down a car or being down two cars or for ride. I don't know what, you know, whatever, whatever it is, but then it becomes more hurtful. I like, I like that. that um, <clears throat> making the bottom line, uh, did I follow the system? I mean, I think that's where you want to be as much as you can be there. You do have other responsibilities and losing money and percentages and dollars and euros is, you know, that's reality. You can't get out of reality, but grade yourself on how did I follow the system? I was in front of a client, well, a very, very large client once, and they asked me to talk about performance uh, for the year. And uh, they, I think one of the questions they asked was, well, how did you handle losses? And I'm like, A plus, A plus on losses. <laughs> I got out of the losses every single time. I took a small loss every single time. And they're like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. And of course, I knew exactly what they meant. But uh, I'm going to drag them into the real, my world, the right world of uh, following the system, entry, exit, stop loss, and doing every single trade. And that is the bottom line. I did all of the trades that I was supposed to do. I didn't trade too large. If I got into a situation where I, Steve, even without, with not trading too large, I, my drawdown was getting uncomfortable. I had a predetermined strategy of reducing leverage again, uh, reducing positions and, and uh, the size of future trades to make the possible drawdowns uh, less likely in the future. And so this is a strategy that is just a huge winner uh, you, and because the, it allows you to continue to do the trades. And I've lived through many, unfortunately, bad periods. And most of the reason it was bad was because of me. And I did not have that as the bottom line, do the next trade. Because the way to get out of these situations, these drawdowns and losing periods, is the same way you got into them, which is do the trades. And I remember just marveling at certain traders that I just admired because they came right out. I mean, just stared down a drawdown by doing nothing other than the trade. And that's how you get out of it continue to do that same trade that got you into it. Uh, may have to do it smaller, but that's the only solution. Yeah, love it. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, so true. So true. Um, next question, which is a question I'm going to kind of um, not comment on too much. Um, it's from Brian, and I did reply to you, Brian, but I want to bring it up anyways. Um, 
because uh, it, it relates to a point that we've talked about before, but I um, it's hard to comment on something because it requires all of us to listen to a particular podcast before um, coming on. It's not a written question per se, but it is a podcast uh, where uh, uh, one of the guests, uh, Bob Farrell, makes a comment about breakouts and they don't necessarily behave as they did in the past. But it's very hard, Brian, for Moritz and 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 Jerry to kind of comment on that without really having to listen to the full podcast uh, and and put it in some kind of context. But clearly, depending on what time frame you look at, it's very easy to make that judgment or make you know get that impression that breakouts are different. And I think the truth is the market continues to evolve, and they they're not you know they're not static, so that you can easily have a period where breakouts can feel different and may they may not work so well as we've seen uh, this year. Um, but it doesn't mean that they won't work uh, as well uh, in the future. It just means that right now we're in a, one of those periods where maybe breakouts, you know, don't work as, you know, so well uh, for whatever reason, whether it's there are more participants, whether there are some other algos now, as we heard the renowned Stanley Druckenmiller say on an interview um, on Real Vision, where he was saying, from his point of view, actually these algos, and not referring to to trend followers for sure, but algos designed to basically force the price back to their mean um, once they try to move away, once they try to break out, these algos will come in and and go against those uh, breakouts, and maybe that's exactly what. Bob Farrell is referring to as well, and 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 that could well be the case, but it doesn't change that for long-term uh, trend followers, there will still be opportunities to um, to profit from these sustained trends, uh, at least in in my view, and I'm sure that's shared by both Moritz and, and Jerry. So I'm going to jump to the next uh, point, which is actually funny enough. Uh, something that uh, relates a little bit. It's from Francois, and he has uh, asked questions before, so we appreciate that, and we appreciate anyone who is willing to uh, bring us uh, a question. Just email them to info at toptradersonplug.com, and we will do our very best to um, to answer those for you. Um, and Francois was just saying um, whether we wanted to to share which conferences we were planning to attend uh, next year, so that uh, if uh, people were listening to it and were at the same conference, they would have a chance to uh, run into us and, and say hi. So um, I'm very happy to to uh, to kick that off, uh, Francois. And as I mentioned just before, Miami is a big uh, center of conferences in the early part of um, of the year. So context and and MFA is certainly conferences that I will be attending. And the only other one that I have planned to attend will then be the following uh, context conference, which is in Barcelona, in Spain, uh, in May, I believe. Those are the things that I have so far uh, planned uh, on my side. I don't know if you, Moritz, and, and, and Jerry, whether you already have some plans laid out as to uh, what events you may be uh, turning up to. Only for context at the in end Miami. of January. Yeah. Yeah, same here, Miami. Well, there we have it. So maybe we will do something in Miami together where we could uh, have a chance to uh, say hi to 
to some of you if if you're going to be there. Well, anyways, to uh, Francois, Brian, and Vincent, thanks so much for this week's uh, questions. We really do uh, appreciate uh, those. Um, let me just run through the performance numbers uh, as of Thursday before we see if there's any other articles or news or uh, topics we want to talk about uh, before we wrap up. But <clears throat> the um, the month has started, you know, on a quiet note, a little bit of a mixed note. Um, and of course, it's only a week old. And these numbers are as usual. They're as of Thursday, which is not the full week. I know Friday was probably, I have a feeling, not the greatest day for trend followers. Um, so just take that into account. Anyway, um, the BTOP 50 index uh, was down 47 basis points for the month so far, down 5.53% for the year. Sokgen CTA index, uh, pretty flat for December so far, down 7.18 for the year. Sokgen trend, uh, down about 36 basis points so far, down 9.29 uh, for the year as of Thursday. And the Sokgen short-term traders index uh, was up. Uh, 0.93%, uh, but down 0.61% for the year so far. And the Bridge Alternatives Index was up just shy of 1% as of Thursday, um, but down 10.32% um, year to date. Um, yeah, what else uh, do we want to uh, touch upon um, this uh this week before we wrap up. Oh, by the way, maybe we should ask a, a question to our listeners if they want to comment on it. But we were debating between the three of us whether we should sometimes uh, invite a fourth person, a guest, uh, to to join our conversation. So, I, yeah, it would be interesting to hear what your thoughts are. If you want to tweet or send us an email. Um, and, of course, if you know some really interesting people that would fit well to our uh, little little group here then uh, we will be open to uh to those uh, suggestions as well um but um tell us what you think we love your feedback so um just uh, tweet it to one of us or uh, send it to info at toptradersunplug.com jerry moritz what else do we want to touch upon as we wrap up this uh, first week of uh, december uh doesn't look like the markets are quieting down as they normally do in this holiday uh month um anything that's you're going to be focusing on or you want to talk about before we finish yeah i'll remember jerry's being an a plus on the losses that's important for next <laughs> week and other than oh, that happy trading happy trading the hashtag happy <laughs> trading yeah what yeah. about you jerry um i don't feel uh too motivated to say anything that great right now so um Going to stick with the systems and uh, head down and work hard, work hard, ignoring everything except the systems. I Absolutely, guess. great stuff. Well, as always, um, you know we're going to be wrapping up, but we're going to uh, thanking you for you know for for being with us and listening to them. We really do enjoy making these uh, episodes for you. So um, hope to uh, be back with you next week uh, when the next one. Uh, comes out and as usual I will always uh, remind you and ask you kindly to perhaps spend a few minutes uh, leaving a honest rating and review uh, in iTunes um, so that more people can discover our weekly conversations from Jerry, Mortz and me thanks so much for listening and we very much look forward to being back with you next week 
Thanks for listening to the Systematic Investor Podcast Series. If you enjoy this series, go on over to iTunes and leave an honest rating and review. And be sure to listen to all the other episodes from Top Traders Unplugged. If you have questions about systematic investing, send us an email with the word question in the subject line to info at toptradersunplugged.com and we'll try to get it on the show. And remember, all the discussion that we have about investment performance is about the past, and past performance does not guarantee or even infer anything about future performance. Also understand that there's a significant risk of financial loss with all investment strategies, and you need to request and understand the specific risks from the investment manager about their products before you make investment decisions. Thanks for spending some of your valuable time with us, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Systematic Investor.